This stuff's made in New York City? New York City! Get a rope. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another spectacular installment of Morning Reload. From very high above all the puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming. Cowboy State Politics is Wyoming's most listened to podcast, documented to be almost always right, 98.575% of the time. The truth is, my friends, that the numbers are actually a little bit higher. I just haven't run them recently. As it relates to that, we begin with a little celebration. Saturday's installment of the program was the 500th episode of Cowboy State Politics. Five hundred episodes of a program that began simply because I was sick and tired of being lied to by the Wyoming media, scaring the pants off every redcoat in this state and living rent-free every day in their lying little heads. 500 times have I sat behind this microphone and given you the unafraid and unabashed truth. I couldn't have done any of it without you. And so let's just be honest about all of this. 500 times have you trusted this program to give it to you straight in a way that the mainstream Wyoming press would never do. So today is two things, a celebration and a thank you. Thank you very much for your trust. Thank you for supporting this program and for being the listening ear, my listening ear, every time I wanted to sit down and just talk to somebody. So, all of that stuff being said, I think this calls for a little celebration music. Nothing like cannons going off in the morning. One more little statistical note before we get into today's program. Out of those 500 episodes, Cowboy State Politics has been downloaded over 192,000 times. In case you were wondering, that's a crapload in Wyoming. It's way more than any other podcast in this state. 
So in reverence of that tremendous accomplishment, I bring you a story that would otherwise have not been possible for this program to pull off. A story that is perhaps more valuable than any award that this program definitely should have been given. The Wyoming media, specifically the cow pie, has asked, in a way, for the unique services of cowboy state politics. Now, the truth is, had I been aware of this situation beforehand, I probably would have done what I'm about to do anyway. As it is, I don't make a habit of looking at bullcrap that comes out of any place anywhere remotely close to New York City. Yeah, I know. None of us do. Which makes this whole story all the more interesting. So the Columbia University Journalism Review, Columbia University as in the one in New York City, published an article that can only be described as a hit piece. A hit piece directed at none other than the cow pie. Now, I pick on them a lot myself, and deservedly so, but not for the same reasons. The reason why they're in my crosshairs most of the time is they favor a political ideology that is far to the left of yours and mine. Though they do publish op-eds written by conservatives, the vast majority of their political reporting is critical of conservatives. And though they've slacked off on this quite a bit as of late, they used to refer to conservatives as right-wing and never to those on the Wyoming political left as left-wing. They like the wholly inaccurate term of moderate. As if voting 80% of the time with either side makes you moderate with anything. But that's just the cow pie. And in the history of American journalism, newspapers always lead to one side or the other. How often do you hear that the New York Times endorses this candidate or the San Francisco Bee endorses that candidate? That is entirely normal. And it is also absolutely normal that people like yours truly point out their inaccuracies and their bias. That's just the natural ebb and flow, if you will. So this article by the Columbia Journalism Review criticizes the cow pie while extolling the virtues of none other than wildfile. They even go so far as to say that wildfile is actual journalism, while the cow pie really isn't. So I just have a couple of introductory remarks before we start this whole thing. First, get the heck out of my state and worry about your own. You've got way more problems there, Columbia Journalism Review. And second... We don't particularly care what people in New York City think of Wyoming, nor do we really care what Wildfile thinks of our state. Judging from the numbers quoted in the Columbia Journalism Review article, neither do most people in Wyoming. Your numbers are still far below those of Cowboy State Politics and of the Cowboy State Daily. They base all of this, of course, on who founded the Cowboy State Daily. Now, it was founded by none other than Foster Freeze. Now, while it's perhaps true that Foster started the Cowboy State Daily simply as a response to outlets like Wildfile, and that he meant it to be more conservative than other news outlets in the state, it certainly is not that anymore. Foster Freeze passed away, and now the Cowboy State Daily is owned by a guy named B. Wayne Hughes. B. Wayne Hughes is a left-wing billionaire. How do we know that he's left-wing? 
Well, he's involved in a lot of climate change efforts. In the last election cycle, he gave in excess of $360,000 to the Political Action Committee Wyoming Hope. Wyoming Hope donated exclusively to the Wyoming left. In fact, Wyoming Hope gave his money to nearly all of the liberal incumbents, many of whom were defeated in the last election. My own representative, Poisonberry Crago, was given nearly $20,000 towards his campaign by Wyoming Hope. How much money did they or he give to conservative candidates? Zero. Now, it is true that in the last election, B. Wayne Hughes donated to the National Freedom Caucus, but in Wyoming, he didn't give them a dime. Wildfile, on the other hand, is funded exclusively by left-wing sources. The biggest one of their benefactors is none other than Jackson Democrat Liz Storr. She's the head of this outfit called the George B. Storer Foundation. They are a major left-wing donor outfit. Name a liberal cause? They've given money to it. But really, this is just the beginning of this trashy article from the Columbia Journalism Review. Another question we probably should answer is who put them up to it? Obviously, the Columbia Journalism Review didn't wake up one day and say, hey, let's go look at Wyoming. They probably couldn't pick Wyoming out on a map, nor do they probably believe that it's actually a state. So who convinced them to write this piece of drivel? Well, they extol the virtues of Wyophile as if they have any, and they specifically mention the LGBTQ activist organization Wyoming Equality. They go so far as to quote the head of it, Sarah Burlingame. You don't really have to be Sherlock Holmes to get to the bottom of this caper. I think it's clear who put the Columbia Journalism Review up to this. As it is with almost all things that come from New York City. New York City? Darling. We're just going to have to shut you down. Here it comes. Let me just give you a couple little quotations to get us going on this. The Columbia Journalism Reviews piece quotes this group called the Institute for Nonprofit News. Oh, they sound so official. And they put in parentheses, Wildfile is an INN member. The Cowboy State Daily is not. Here's the quote. We think that being dedicated to journalism, being free of partisan stances, being transparent about your financials are what helps people be able to trust you. End quote. Presumably, because they are a member, you know, Wildfile extols all of those virtues. Well, let's just take a, a look at them, shall we? Being free of partisan stances. Evidently, they've never read anything that Wildfile has published. I've never seen one article from Wildfile be balanced in any way. They are always critical of Republicans and of conservative ideas. In every case, they take every opportunity to attack conservatives, but you'll never see them be critical of anybody on the Wyoming left being dedicated to journalism. If you look up the word journalist in Webster's 1828, it basically says that you journal events and then you report them fairly. Now, I'll give it to every news outlet that they, they need to have some opinion in there. That's what the majority of this show is. But I don't claim to do straight journalism all of the time. When I do, it's clear and I make it clear. Other times, it's pretty obvious when I'm giving you my opinion. That's not the case with Wildfile. Every single article they print is dripping with liberal ideology. 
And let's just talk about their financials for a little bit. I just finished telling you that Liz Store funds a major portion of Wildfile. Liz Store is a rabid Democrat. Abortion, LGBTQ activism, corner crossing, taxes, anything related to COVID. They've published numerous articles ridiculously claiming that Wyoming schools aren't properly funded. How absurd is that? So even if their claims about the Cowboys State Daily are correct, and they're not, Wildfile is absolutely guilty of the very same thing. This is the most hypocritical piece of trash I've ever read. And that's saying something. And the fact that Wildfile and Wyoming Equality had to go to an outfit in New York City to get it printed just tells you how untrue it is. Because they're not really going to give two craps about what happens in this state, which is why they went to them to print it in the very first place. So I could go on and on about this dumb piece. As if anybody in Wyoming is actually going to search out the Columbia Journalism Review and read it. Well, they probably will after this episode, just to know specifically what I'm talking about. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it was a colleague, a journalistic colleague, so to speak, that asked me to take a look at this. That person being none other than Cowboy State Daily columnist, our pal, Rod Miller. He has some thoughts about this whole dumb article, and we'll talk to him next. But first, an absolutely obscene profit timeout. This installment of Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by the Buffalo Wool Company. Fall is coming, my friends, and with it, some of Wyoming's colder temperatures. Now, the most important thing when you're out in the elements is to protect your feet. And the best way that you can do that is to get a pair of socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. I'm telling you, my friends, they are the best socks that I have ever worn. To get you a pair, go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. And while you're at it, you should probably take care of the other end of your body, too. New Trend Hats has a wide variety of hats for both men and women. And right now is a perfect time to get you a hat to keep your ears nice and warm during the winter. Like I said, they've got a wide variety of hats, and you're sure to find one to your liking. Go to their website, newtrendhats.com. Morton Buildings are the experts in metal building construction. They've been putting up metal structures longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. The two guys, if you're thinking about putting up a metal structure that you should talk to, is Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. Doesn't matter what type of structure you're thinking about, give Morton Buildings a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532. Or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, back to the program. Rod Miller was just as irritated with this dumb hit piece as I was. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody at the cow pie was kind of ticked off about this whole thing. Now, again, before we get to my discussion with Rod, I just want to make it perfectly clear why I decided to run with this for this episode. 
First, I don't think we should pay any attention to anything that comes out of New York. They have a lot of problems of their own. You know, like rats taking over New York City. That's a bit of an issue. The state's economy is in shambles, and the New York culture doesn't bear any resemblance whatsoever to anything in Wyoming. Secondly, I'm interested in facts. And while I don't agree very often with the cow pie, I think it's important to put things in their proper perspective. With that being said, here's my discussion with Rod Miller. Joining me via Zoom is Cowboy State Daily columnist Rod Miller. How's it going today, Rod? Going well. How are you, David? Everything's good, man. My Rangers are kicking the hind end of the Twins, and it's a beautiful day. And How did you get to be a Rangers fan? That's an interesting story. I hadn't watched. I've always loved baseball, but for the longest time, I just hadn't paid attention to it. My girlfriend and I took a trip to Dallas. It was a business trip for her. So while we were there, I said, well, let's go to the let's go to a baseball game. That game made me believe again in the game of baseball. It made me remember why I loved baseball so much. The backslidden son returns home. Welcome back, prodigal. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was a lot like that. And I'll tell you what did it for me, Rod. There were no politics in that stadium at all. Yeah. yeah. None of it. In fact, we went up to the, the beer stand, asked the lady there, well, what kind of fake beer do you have? Or, you know, non-alcoholic beer. She said, well, we've got Budweiser. And I kind of grimaced a little bit. And she goes, hey, this is Ranger Stadium. We, we don't do politics here. You want a beer or not? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can handle it. But it was a fantastic experience. The Rangers lost that game. And uh, again, I just remembered why I loved games so much. A. Bartlett Giamatti used to be the commissioner of baseball. Right. And before he was commissioner, he was head of the English department at some Ivy League school, Yale or Harvard or something like that. So he came to his job as commissioner with that background. And he wrote a book about baseball, explaining all the numerology and, and the, the, the myths and the symbols. And he said, if you look at a baseball diamond, you'll realize why life is so difficult. Because the foul lines start at home plate and go out at a 90-degree angle forever, neatly dividing the universe into fair territory and foul territory, and only 25% of it's fair. In my mind, it is the perfectly designed game. Well, there is no, there is no other athletic competition in which human perfection is possible, statistically. Oh. I mean, you know, bowlers can say, yeah, you can roll a perfect game, but I specified athletic competition. So there have been like 24 uh, perfect games pitched in Major League history. That's not been, not been very many. No. One of them was pitched by a guy from Wyoming. That would have been, was that Tom Browning? Yep. Cincinnati Reds. Yep. So it's interesting that we, uh, again, talking about a game that the rules are so clear, and we have an article that you brought to my attention that I, I just find fascinating. It's entitled Trouble in Wyoming, and it appeared in the Columbia Journalism Review. The article is pretty much a hit piece on the Cowboy State Daily. It is chock full of factual errors, and some of the conclusions they come to, if you've been in Wyoming for any length of time or you pay attention to any of the politics, some of the conclusions are just straight laughable. One of the first claims is that there is some sort of news desert in Wyoming. Rod, 
Do we have a, a news desert? And if not, what do we have instead? We, we have a red desert, but there's no news desert. Uh, w- one of the things that article hit on the nail on the head was talking about the death throes of legacy journalists. You know, big newspapers are dropping like flies. The, uh, the dailies are only putting out like four issues a week and stuff like that. Legacy journalism is uh, top-heavy, capital-intensive, and it's failing. And as those newspapers, like the Casper Star and the Cheyenne or the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, as those newspapers uh, sort of drop off the edge of the table, they leave a void. And that might be what the Columbia Journalism Review is talking about, that void when legacy papers, you know, leave the scene. But there are uh, digital media that rise up organically to fill that void. You're one of them. Cowboy State Daily is one of them. You know, there's a bunch of them out there. So, and they're quicker. A a digital uh, outlet is quicker on its feet and quicker to get news to the reader than a newspaper. If you just pay attention to, and not to pick pick on the the Red Star, because I do that enough on my program as it is, but if there's breaking news story, yes, they have, they now have a website. But you have to wait until the next day when the issue comes out to find out about it. Digital news isn't like that. We can put out a story at any time, any time of the day, any day of the week, and it doesn't matter. And where we've become so used to a 24-hour news cycle, legacy newspapers just don't fill the, the demand for, you know, uh, perhaps not on-the-minute news, but almost immediate news. Well, if, if you were a reporter for the Casper Star or a big newspaper, you'd, th- you'd have your story written by three, four in the afternoon. Then it would go to editorial and they would monkey with it. And it w- then it would go to production and wh- where the, the line of type was set and into the press, rolls off the presses. And, uh, and, and then delivery trucks have to pick it up and get it to the paper boy. And that paper boy will throw it into your rose bush at like five or six in the morning. So there's a 12 hour lag when you're dealing with newspapers in the 24 hour news cycle. So let's get to some of the particulars in the article. What's the number one thing that set you off about this? Uh, what, what set Wyofile and Wyoming Equality were intimately involved in the production of this piece. And uh, it, it was a, a a hit piece that Wildfile didn't have the balls to criticize their competitor in their own pages. They had to go to New York City and find someone to write the story for them. Uh, and that's just, I don't know, if I say chicken shit, can you beep that out later? Sure. The thing that pissed me off was that Wildfile went to Columbia Journalism Reviewed to basically de- take a cheap shot at their competitor. And the only motivation I can think that would uh, make them do that is numbers envy, because uh, in terms of readership in Wyoming, Cowboy State Daily is just creaming wildfile. So if they, well, if they to be were, honest, to be honest, Rod, like you, the two of you are not even in the same in the same ballpark. No, I mean, no. wildfile has a has a really limited uh, readership. And well, Cowboy State Daily. I mean, I, I don't think that anybody can argue that. I mean, they're 
probably the number one news source in Wyoming right now. Yeah, the, the numbers are pretty impressive. Uh, and and Wyofile covers the progressive side of things, the Democrat side of Wyoming politics, Cowboy State Daily. No one's ever going to confuse us with a progressive news outlet. We, we, you know, we cover the rest of the state, the 85 percent that's Republican. There's one quotation in the article, not to cut you off, but it fits right in with what we're talking about here. They quote this Institute for Nonprofit News, and they make a point that, well, the Cowboy State Daily isn't a isn't a member of that. But here's the quotation, quote, we think that being dedicated to journalism, being free of partisan stances, being transparent about your financials are what helps people trust you, end quote. Do you think that's true about Wildfile? Uh, I, I will say that I view their content as leftist. Without question. Without yeah, question. Without question. Cowboy State Daily has the rest of the state to cover. So, of course, our, our content is going to appear more uh, to the right of center. Um, now, what, what I uh, – what the, the Columbia Journalism Review article uh, did say that I take exception to is that um, Cowboy State Daily was started with Foster Freeze money, as you know, and then has evolved Absolutely from was. there. So they, they took shots at us for our, our funding source. Columbia uh, Journalism Review is an arm of the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, which was founded by Joseph Pulitzer, who, along with William Randolph Hearst, invented sensationalism, biased, yellow, mudslinging journalism. So he he is the definition of yellow journalism. They they got us into a shooting war. They started the Spanish American War. So. You know, when you're when you're talking about being um, transparent about funding sources, uh, the truth is both of them, both of you guys are um, the, the person that that funds Wildfile. I mean, they've got almost exclusively left wing funding. And honestly, the person that funds uh, or that owns the Cowboy State Daily, that's B. Wayne Hughes. And yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's no right winger. No, no. Wayne's a surfer from California who loves Wyoming. Now, uh, ironically enough, his his foundation is also a sponsor of Wildfire. And of course, you know, I pay a, I pay a lot of attention to campaign financing. A lot of these characters donate to both sides. They're hedging their bets, really, is what what it is. But you know, when you look at the, if we could call it journalistic content, we can absolutely say that Wildfile is way to the left. And in, in my in my personal opinion, Cowboy State Daily is uh, more towards the middle than anything. I hope so, yeah, yeah, I think that too. So there's a couple more things in here. You know, they point out that Jim Angel was one of the founding people behind the Cowboy State Daily. I only met Jim Angel briefly. Um, and we were in the Capitol, and we only, we only had five or ten minutes to talk. Um, but if you could, could you just talk to me a little bit about who Jim Angel was and what his journalism ended up looking like, what the end product was? Jim Angel was president of the Wyoming Press Association for years. 
And uh, he was one of the first guys, I think, that Annalise and Jimmy hired on to work for Cowboy State Daily. And once once Jim Angel signed on, they knew they had a good newspaper. And you and I, David, probably consider ourselves pretty staunch First Amendment, freedom of the press, free speech advocates. Absolutely. We pale when compared to Jim Angel in that respect. I have the deepest respect for that man. Rest in peace. Uh, in, in fact, I think the barn where Cowboy State Daily is lodged in, uh, where they have the offices, Charlie Irwin's old barn, which was Steamboat's barn, uh, they have named the Jim Angel Media Center. So Cowboy State Daily off works out of the Jim Angel Center. He's he's a very, very respected voice in Wyoming journalism. Let's kind of take this in a in a little bit different direction. So deeper into the into this hit piece, they list out, you know, three or four or four headlines. And they're saying, well, this this is disinformation. And I just want to read you part of the part of the quotation. And it says, quote, the Tau Center, which the, it's this media center that they quote in the article, analysis of the Cowboy State Daily content found the five most commonly cited institutes and think tanks in energy stories all had links to climate denial. Um, and then they go on to talk about LGBTQ issues. And mm -hmm. yep, um, yep. so I guess first, what is disinformation? And is the Cowboy State Daily guilty of it? No. Disinformation would be denying that uh, the climate is changing. There's no denying that. The question is, what's causing that? And what do we do about it? And uh, Cowboy State Daily is not a climate change denial organ of the press. But we ask questions about what makes you think it's changing, you know? Uh, are windmills and solar panels really going to replace fossil fuels in the near future and show us the numbers? Uh, that, that kind of stuff. And, and when you question an orthodoxy, uh, the orthodoxy being climate change panic, when you question that, naturally, um, you're accused of being a reactionary journalistically. If there are two subjects where I think that the Cowboy State Daily has been mostly fair and even, uh, one of them would be all of this climate change, green energy nonsense. Um, I think that Kevin Kilo has has done a great job being, um, you know, asking the right questions. And I think if you read his writing, he's 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 very clearly on the right side of things. Uh, I mean, right politically. I don't mean correct although I agree with him. And then the I other agree. one, and then the other one is um, coverage of this library book scandal. Now I know that you're on the other side um, uh, of that whole issue than me. However, I really respected the article that was written by the Cowboys State Daily that just exposed what's in these library books that everybody's so hot and bothered about, pun intended. You know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think that you can question that there's, that there there really has been some good journalism that's been put out by the by the Cowboy State Daily, it, definitely in those two areas. Claire McFarland covers that beat, you know, the library, book banning, all she covers 
that subject area and does it really well, very fairly. And she's got her neck stuck way out uh, to critics who don't want to hear that. So I, th I think she's a very courageous journalist. Now, you mentioned only two subject or two areas in Cowboy State Daily that you think are fair and balanced. You I think those are mention, the two fairest ones. You, fair, you failed to mention my column. <laughs> oh, my good pal Rod Miller in his column. So let's let's just talk about that for just a second. There are there are a lot of my listeners who didn't hear our first interview or our, our first debate, which was widely publicized, and it was the the title bout of the century, maybe not the century, but certainly of that year. So your column, would you would you say that your column is conservative? I'm I'm not going to label my column as conservative or liberal. I'm going to label my column as whatever I damn well please writing about. the the It's an opinion piece, and I'm I'm more conservative than liberal by a long stretch, but uh, it's an opinion piece, and I will never publish an opinion without thinking about it, without checking my footwork, my math to see if I'm arriving at that opinion based on good information. So now some of those opinions you've had have been I don't quite know how to describe them except to say that they're uh, they're they're pretty blunt. Have you have you received any pushback from your writings from I don't know management at uh, at the Cowboy State Daily? No, no, uh, -uh. and, and uh, as soon as that that would happen, I'd go back into retirement. Uh, the deal I cut with Jimmy is I can write about what I damn well please. Uh, he he always prints verbatim everything that I send in. He he will he will check my grammar. You know I, I have a tendency toward chaotic apostrophes, so he he will you know go through the possessive nouns and stuff. But no, J uh, Jimmy knows he can suggest a topic to me uh, if I'm you know suffering writer's block and need something to write about. Uh, but he has never vetoed or leaned on me one way or another about anything I've written. I've got this whole article printed in front of me. And I just turned to the to the paragraph that mentions Wyoming equality. Why is it a journalistic ethical problem when you're using a lobbyist organization as one of your key sources as to why another journalistic entity is is biased? I mean, why, why is that a problem? I mean, I know the answer, but I, I, I just want to hear you go off on it. Because uh, that's an advocacy group, and they're advocating one particular point of view on a, on a topic of broad appeal. Uh, and there's really nothing wrong with an advocacy group uh, dripping in a newspaper's ear saying, hey, you know, why don't you write about this, or you got that wrong, or I disagree with you. Nothing wrong with that at all. But the tenor of the Columbia Journalism review piece vis-a-vis uh, -vis the coverage of LGBTQ issues in Wyoming was very, very critical. And in fact, it criticized us for using the wrong words. It said, Cowboy State Daily does not adhere to the trans journalist manual of style, which I'd never heard of, which apparently says you're not supposed to use words like intact male and stuff like that. I'm never going to adhere to the trans journalist manual of style. I have. I don't really think that that's a thing. 
it, it's in the article. I haven't checked it out or, you know, followed them up. I, I have enough trouble complying with Chicago manual and AP. So I'm not going to try and tackle another style of manual. Uh, if, if I can, if I can jump in and say that the article pulled one sentence out of a column of mine, it was a column on the title of the column was the case for exclusion in the equality state, if I got it right. And it pulled one sentence out, uh, edited, pulled it totally out of context, edited the sentence to make it fit their point of view and put that in the Columbia Journalism Review article. That pissed me off without so much as a phone call to me saying, hey, we're fixing to quote you in this article. Uh, we're going to use this quote. Tell us your thoughts. Didn't happen. They just put it in there. What was that sentence if you have it in front of you? Oh, I don't have it in front of me. It, it's it's something about, you know, uh, the, the the whole piece was about I, I oppose the idea of uh, biological males playing contact sport with biological girls past a certain age, past the age where the boys start to develop bigger muscles, stronger bones, more speed, more aggression. And um, I, I think I think it's fine. Uh, pride parades are fine. Uh, someone, uh, uh, a consenting adult can call themselves whatever they want. But if they're going to enter a, an athletic field, uh, as a male with females, I think that's wrong because the girls will get hurt. And I, I put a sentence in there like, uh, I, I draw the line when someone with a male endocrine system, you know, male skeletal characteristics enters the field against women or something like that. And I put in there uh, a phrase, and I believe most women would agree with me that was taken out of that quote when it was published. Yeah, it's fascinating that that in a hit piece that's screaming about other people's journalistic ethics, they themselves take things out of context. I mean, th this whole thing <laughs> is is absolutely ridiculous. Here's another quotation for you, and I think this uh, this kind of illustrates what we were talking about before. But let me just quote it to you for Burlingame. The of Wyoming Equality and Sarah Burlingame is the head of Wyoming Equality. Yes, uh, the I know allure, Sarah. the allure of attacking trans rights for Republicans is its ability to join outrage with action. Most GOP voters, and this apparently is a quote, don't think that the government can do anything about the majority of issues that matter to them. Uh, but by attacking transgender people, gender ideology, and critical race theory, Republicans discovered a sweet spot. If you hit on one of those, not only are people outraged, but they believe if you if they go to the polls and they vote for the right person, that person could do something about it. That's that's not something that I think I've ever read printed in the Cowboy State Daily. It, it doesn't even resemble anything close. Now is, I have. Is that, no, is that are are they characterizing that as a quote from Cowboy I, State Daily? I think I think what they're doing is saying. I mean, they're they're trying to quote Sarah Burlingame, and I have no doubt that she may have said something like that. Um, but they're but they're claiming that that is what the Cowboy State Daily does. I mean, I beat up on the cow pie a lot, or the Cowboy State Daily a lot, uh, but I don't think that I would ever say that that is something that you guys have done no no and uh 
you know, if that is, if that is a a a statement by Columbia Journalism Review, uh, that is definitely not an unbiased nor balanced statement about what is going on in Wyoming. That is their opinion. There's one quotation right at the end of this piece um, that I'd just like you to respond to, Rod. As journalists, we know that if the last paragraph, you, sh- you should probably sum things up. So here's how the Columbia Journalism Review summed it up. Quote, in this sense, Wyoming's experience, declining local news, a vacuum of good information, a mega rich partisan setting up a news outlet that has pushed anti-trans views and climate misinformation is an alarm bell for the rest of America. If local news can't find a route to sustainability, actors with cash and questionable motives are free to inject their talking points into the political bloodstream. It's a warning of for where we're headed as news de- deserts take hold. Go for it, yeah. Rod. Well, well, you know, the the uh, title of that piece was Trouble in Wyoming. And, and the reason I don't think that Columbia Journalism Review all of a sudden woke up one morning before they had coffee and say, hey, let's find out what's going on in Wyoming. Now, someone came to them and got them to write this story. And um, that is, that's almost a paragraph worthy of Joe Pulitzer, that one right there. I'm, I'm trying to frame my reaction without using more cuss words on your program, David, <laughs> and I'm struggling. That closing paragraph, and you're right, next to the lead, it's the most important paragraph in a news story. That closing paragraph is pure opinion, dressed up as hard news. So, and consider the source. Well, Rod, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me about this. As you know, I'm ready to debate you anytime, anywhere, my friend. Yeah, but you you will not let me sit behind that silver microphone. No, I will not let you sneeze on it. And I've done my research. That's not real silver. That is nickel-plated, David. (laughs) Anytime, buddy. Anytime. Uh, I, I have a standing offer to you to have me on your program anytime to debate anything. All right, Rod. Well, have a good rest of your Sunday. You too, buddy. See you, David. That'll about do it for today's installment of the program. As always, if you want to get a look at that dumb article from New York, it's available at CowboyStatePolitics.com. On Wednesday's program, we're going to talk about another lying op-ed from the Redcoats. Not just any Redcoats. Albert Somers and Ogden Driscoll. Yes, printed without any criticism at all in the cow pie. You guessed it. Not one word trying to correct the inaccuracies that Albert and Ugden are trying to pull over on you. Absolutely normal cow pie behavior. And we'll do that on Wednesday. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns, at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.